Welcome in. This is Tuesday's Scramble for January 11th, 2022. I'm Rick Gaiman. That right there is Andy Lack. Andy, we're back again. Hey, buddy. Hey, how's it going, man? Good to see you, my friend. <laughs> uh, good to see you. How was your first week of golf in 2022? I really enjoyed it, man. It was so <laughs> great to have it back. I think the expanded coverage with ESPN Plus was always a bonus. Um, I'm excited for that to continue this season. And, you know, I think that it was an interesting tournament to start on. It got a little wild there with the video gamey stuff, but I still had a blast. Yeah, it was, it was pretty slick and we'll stay in Hawaii uh, one more week. I was, I was just telling you before we went hot, the, the Sony open has a special place in my heart because this is the first place I ever saw a PGA tour event. And when I, I remember vividly, as crazy as this sounds, Spencer Levine hitting a shot from a fairway bunker. And I'm like, oh my God, these guys are not human, right? When he's like the 150th ranked player in the world, or maybe even deeper than that at that point, And he is hitting shots I've never seen with my own eyeballs. It's, it's very staggering when you see these guys up close. Yeah. And Spencer Levine's like 5'4 <laughs> also, which makes yes. it all the more funny. But yeah, no, it is. It's always special that first time that you go and you really like if you can get into a golf tournament and get kind of good positioning where you can actually kind of hear and see the contact, it's overwhelming how good it is. Everything is flushed. Spencer Spencer Levine, 5'4", and what do you think um, – we're off the rails already here. What do you think Spencer Levine's best official world golf ranking ever was? I'm going to look it up. Well, he was – I don't know if you remember this, but oh, he wow. had a, he had, um, he was in the mix in Phoenix. I remember he was also famous. He would smoke cigarettes on the course. I, um, I was going to say he must've smoked four packs of cigarettes in, uh, in 18 holes. It's unbelievable. He just yes. chain smokes them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he, so he was notable for that. Um, my actually, he's a, he's from San Francisco. I believe I, one of my buddies played junior golf with him. Um, I want to say his best official world golf ranking. I wouldn't be surprised if he cracked, like, I'm going to go 109. Okay, that probably would have been my guess as well. And where yeah. else can you get Spencer Levine official world golf <laughs> ranking? Guesses five minutes into a show. But he was the 60th ranked player in the world. Yeah, he was like um, I'm stunned. He, yeah, he was a, like a... Phoenix, um, Sony Open, Wyndham, like a, you know, kind of like what we have this week. Like he was a, if you get him on a short and positional golf course, he could kind yeah. of plot his way around. So that doesn't, that doesn't totally shock me. So he finished T4 at the Memorial in 2012. That moved him to 61st. And then the next week he finished 60th. So week 23 of the 2012 season, he got to the 60th ranked player in the world he's currently ranked 1038 which is still much better than you and i andy <laughs> last question and then we can definitely get <laughs> off uh then we can definitely get off spencer levine is he what's he up to is he doing corn fairy stuff or not even yeah so he's played he played in uh 2021 he hasn't played anything in this year which i guess is normal because corn fairy i don't know what his status is but he played a ton of well, i don't want to say a ton he played like 11 corn fairy tour events last year so okay. we'll see. Uh, here's a more pressing question. Are you drinking coffee out of a glass? Cody wants to know in the chat. Is that, is that what I witnessed there as well? Is that sure coffee? am. Yeah, it's coffee. Do yeah, you always drink I get... it out of a clear glass like that? Yeah. So um, if That's you, I drink mine. 
Okay, like a normal but, person. Okay, so I I like buying. I'm a big cold brew guy, and I like buying cold mm. brew in bulk. So okay. if I let instead of like. I used to go to Starbucks every morning and you can save so much money if you just buy these big things of cold brew. So I just pour it into a glass every morning and I'm good to go. It is better that that is cold brew out of a glass and not a steaming hot. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. No, no, no. Yeah. My wife is in the chat, which is a completely normal thing to do. Uh, She thought it was soda. She thought you were drinking soda in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Like right out of bed. Cold brew. Yeah, right, Colbert. That makes a lot more sense. Let's uh, revert back to the tournament champions real quick. Any big, we'll get to the scoring in a second. Any big surprises or disappointments? Obviously, one week does not make a season, does not make a year, but this was our first time seeing a lot of these guys in competition in, in months. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to draw anything from uh a tournament where if you shot 10 under you finished in like dead last place right i'm not yeah. gonna i'm not really gonna hold it against abraham answer or jason kokrak for shooting 10 or 12 under right i like the way that justin thomas and morikawa rallied over the weekend i mean i i think both of them ended up finishing in the top 10 and um you know they easily could have mailed it in but no i think the biggest surprise is probably cam smith like if you told me at the at at the halfway point that he was going to take down rom like i was pretty confident that rom would be able to beat him over a 36 hole stretch and cam smith may have announced himself as a serious threat he answered every call dude it was it was you know rom never passed him right rom would make make a putt to to tie him and then either cam smith would put one on top or just get it back out in front the next hold or two, he never let John Rom pass him. It was, it was a complete four rounds of golf. And when the vast majority of it, leader after every single round, leader or co-leader, like when it's in the pressure, the pressure moments, he played, he played basically 54 consecutive holes under pressure because he was the leader after 18, never gave it up. Uh, it, I, I cannot describe to you how impressed I was. Yeah. And it was a complete performance. Like, it wasn't a 14 strokes gained putting uh week for Cam Smith. I mean, he ga- I think he gained about 6.5. He obviously, it felt like he made everything, but I mean, he gained four strokes off the tee too. It seems like he's even picked up a little bit of distance. Uh, yeah. And he, he is, yeah, I think he's probably um, kind of entering. There's always one or two guys that kind of, change their status and completely change how we view them. They kind of move up a tier and, you know, we'll have to see with Cam Smith. It's early. I don't want to overreact, but I was very impressed. Who was it last year? Who changed, who changed our opinion of him last year? I've won. I've won. The first one that came to mind was Max Homa. The first. Okay. So I would say Max Homa. I would say Coke. I would say Coke rack. Okay. Harris English, maybe. Especially because he, you know, the ride he made the Ryder Cup team as well. That helps. Yeah, and then Sam Burns, which still kind of feels Sam Burns still kind of feels like it's unfolding right before our eyes. I think you could even make an argument Hovland. I think you could make an argument True. that before last year Hovland was viewed kind of the same way we view Matthew Wolf, right? Like tons of talent, but I think now, I mean, he's viewed with. He's, he's at the top of the board most of the time. So, yeah, I think there are a couple of guys. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I had a, I had one other thing I wanted to mention about that. Oh, 
Daniel Berger is a problem. Daniel yeah. Berger is going to be a problem, right? Again, leads the field in strokes gained approach. Had a disappointing Sunday, still a couple under par. He He's going to be a problem. Like, I love his game. Yeah, and he didn't even putt well either, which is kind of the scary part. I mean, he can... He has a lot of good tournaments coming up for him. Like he he won Pebble Beach last year. I mm-hmm. think he'll probably come back. And since every single person is playing in Saudi Arabia, he's going to be like six to one. He's yeah. going to be like six to one to win Pebble Beach. Exactly. He'll be like six to one. Um, Phoenix is another good one for him. Yeah, I think Berger is going to be um, a force to be reckoned with this year as well. He, uh, yeah, he's a great player. The huge storyline that everybody everybody wants to talk about is all of the scoring records that fell. So we can chat about that because it's not every day you see 32 under par, good enough for solo third. Matt Jones, sorry about that. John Rahm, 33 under. Cam Smith, 34 under. That is the PGA Tour scoring record. Cam Smith scored more fantasy points than any golfer in the history of fantasy golf. Um is this you you described it as video game golf? Is this a problem or is this good for the game? Um okay, this is a complex and nuanced question and I think that we've been trending in this direction for quite some time. Did you see the stat by the way that this was last year was the first year where there were no non-majors that were won at single digits under par? Last year was the first year that no major was won at single digits under par. No, that outside of, sorry, I, I worded that terribly. That outside of the majors, no tournament on the PGA oh, Tour schedule got it. was won so, at single digits under par. So like the Arnold Palmer Invitational wasn't nine under. Correct. It was and deeper I'm sh- than that. Yeah, and that's probably not the perfect stat because I'm sure there were a couple situations where maybe somebody won at 11 under par and second place was seven under par. But for for the most part, I, I that is that was a stat that I was looking at. And you know, I hmm. yeah, you go go ahead. I mean, how do, do you do you think that's a concern? Do you kind of feel like um, majors kind of scratch that itch for you in terms of that one under two under winner? Or would you like to see a couple more tournaments outside of the majors be one at seven or eight under par? This might be such a lame take, but I really don't care. Like, okay, someone has to win the golf tournament. 34 under, 4 under, 340 under. Like, someone has to win. Someone has to be the best. Looking at the score relative to par is the worst way. Par is a social construct. Par means nothing. If you change this to a par 70, I mean, he uh, Camp Smith would have been 5'10". He would have been, what, 22 under? And we would be like, yeah. oh, okay, 22 under par. Like, who cares? It do- It doesn't matter. If you change a couple of those uh fives to fours like they probably should be i mean it just it doesn't matter to me someone has to go out and be the best and there are a a lot of this you can't really control andy they're not going to make a huge renovation to the plantation course a place that 99.9 percent of the time is designed for vacationers people going there to play on vacation. They're not going to change it drastically for professionals for four days a year. And you don't control the weather. If the wind kicks up, you get a different story. If it lays down, you get this. It it just, it doesn't matter. So unless you are going to have only 
events held on the TPC network, of course, is where they can control everything all year round. Uh, this is a silly conversation to have. Yeah, and I think the other thing that people need to consider is that the PGA Tour has a long-standing history of they are not necessarily trying to rock the boat in these scenarios. Like they, if they trick up courses too much, and they've done this before, especially with the, the especially the USGA. I mean, people get fired over this stuff at the USGA. Go back and look at the comments. <laughs> that go back and look at what players were saying uh, during Shinnecock and. Chambers Bay was another one where they just set up the course incorrectly. Like when you have all these different Saudi breakaway leagues breaking down, breathing down your neck, like they're, they can't rock the boat that much and try and trick up these courses or players will say something like they will say something. Phil will say something like these guys will say something. So I don't know if that's true though, right? It's a tricky line. Don't, I saw people on Twitter implying kind of the same thing, which is like, oh, you know, this the best players want to go very, very low. That's is that true? Brooks Kepka thinks that when you get to harder setups, there's only five guys who can win. Don't the best players who might be who might be enticed by another tour want it to be difficult? Yes and no. Okay, so not to get too into the weeds here, but no, go the, into the, the weeds, Andy. We okay. weed it up. <laughs> okay, so the, the way the way that pros are challenged the only way to make scoring harder is actually not by lengthening the course it's not by tightening the fairways it's by firm and fast conditions right completely agree read any book read any book on architecture gil hans has some great quotes about this he'll you'll hear a lot more of him because he did the renovation for where we're playing the pga championship and the u.s open this year but hans talks about like golfers have never had more control over their golf ball like ever because of equipment, they have never had more control over their golf ball. And the only thing that takes away that control is bounce is when the ball is on the ground is firm and fast conditions. Right. And when you get softer conditions, and again, this wasn't totally Kapalua's fault. They just happened to get a ton of rain. Like that's when you see players be able to have a ball on a string. However, when when it is firm and fast, there's a lot less in the player's control. I mean, they can hit good shots and get terrible bounces. It's a lot harder to control their golf ball. Um, So that is kind of where it comes into play is kind of the firm and fast conditions. And that is something that PGA tour players that makes them uncomfortable. Sometimes they, some also really respect it because that is how golf was originally intended to be played. I completely agree with you that firm and fast is the way to challenge these guys. But the problem is you can't really control that, right? If you get 25 days of rain in the last 40, it's going to be hard to get firm and fast, right? It's it's that is mostly out of, and, and if you're on the coast, you can't run your greens to a 13 and a half stimp or you're not, the ball's not going to sit there when the wind blows, right? There's, there's yeah. only so much firm and fast you can do based on your terrain, your weather, your, it's just, it's out of a, a lot of these guys control or a lot of the setups control. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, and I mean, I, I think it also like context matters with this, right? Like, I think that there are a couple PGA tour events a year that I want to see play firm and fast and difficult. Like I, like, I don't think that Tory pine should ever be one at 20 under par. If they, if I don't, they, I if, don't think it will. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I hope, I hope not either. But when we get to a certain place like Kapalua, 
Um, I don't have an issue with it because it's an interesting enough golf course where obviously you have the vistas, but there are a lot of, there's a lot of slope and undulation and you still get to watch pros hit really strange shots with like wedges with balls below their feet. It always feels like the ball is traveling in the air forever there. Um, I'm okay with it on certain golf courses. There are a couple, there are a couple, like I said, like Torrey Pines Memorial Bay Hill, where I thoroughly enjoy when we get some wind and super firm and fast conditions. Like I remember when Tyrrell Hatton won Bay Hill and yeah, I mean, the greens, the greens were pool tables. Like that's fun to watch every so often, but expecting that to happen every week is just completely unrealistic. Well, I'm sure we'll talk more about that. We'll see what, I mean, there might be a 59 out there this week. We'll see if that, if that happens. And of course, as we get to California and some other places, I imagine scoring will obviously fix itself a little bit. Uh, one and done update from last week. I went with Xander Shoffley. I got 170000 for his T, no, solo 12. You went with Mark Leishman, T10, 188000 So you're $18,000 clear, Andy, and I use Xander. You use Leishman. That is a win for you. Yeah, I'm feeling great about that. That was my <laughs> goal at the end of the week was to have Leishman beat Xander, and you have used Xander, and I have used Leishman. So I'm feeling pretty great about things. And I, I already, I already know, I feel very strongly about my pick this week as well. Awesome stuff. Okay. We are going to turn our attention to the Sony open. We've got storylines, we've got bets, we've got some more conversation, but we're going to take 30 seconds here and we'll hit you on the other side. Remember Andy Lack is not only the co-host of the scramble, but also produces his own show, the inside golf podcast. It's available twice a week, focusing on course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategies for every PGA Tour event. Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field, but I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those two together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. Sony Open, Andy, and we might still be in Hawaii, but I think we're going to get a lot of different uh, different things this week. The plantation course in Wailai, I'd argue, could not be any more different, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't think it could be any more different. Um, narrow fairways, small greens, different style of Bermuda greens. Like These are more like the type of Bermuda greens that you see in Florida. It's going to be a little firmer, a little faster, just a different... Different skill set overall, Rick. Like you're looking at a lot of wedges, uh, driving accuracy, stuff like that. These fairways are difficult to hit. So it's a very nice contrast. Um, the skill set required probably the shots that you had to hit at Kapalua are going to be very different from a lot of the shots that you have to hit at Wileye. But what I found interesting about it, Rick, is that even though the courses are so different, it seems like it really helps if you get that warm up in. Okay. Let's talk about this. Okay. So, I, I, you, I can, <laughs> this is one of the ones that, yeah. Okay. I see where you're going with this. All right. So there is a stat that has been floating around all week and the stat goes something like this, Andy, 16 of the last 23 Sony open winners played Kapalua the week before. Are, is that the war, the warm up that you are referencing? That is the warm up that I am referencing. Now, there's a rebuttal to that, but you go first. 
this is not a real stat. <laughs> this is not predictive. This is okay. Let me, I got it back. This is like a super soapbox issue for me. About twice a day, Andy, someone will tweet me or DM me or email me research that they've done. And it mm-hmm. is always something like this. And it'll be like, oh, did you know the winner of this event in the last five years had a top 10 in his last three starts? And I always, Andy, say the same exact thing in response. I always say, how does that compare to other events? How does that compare to other courses? How does that compare to other players? And the only response I've ever received is, oh, I'm not sure. I only looked at this event, which is like, bonkers right because you could look at every single event every single winner and be like oh all of them finished inside the top 10 or none of them did or that it doesn't matter at all this stat is in line with that 16 of the 23 last 23 winners of the sony open played kapalua the week before you know why andy because the best players were at kapalua and when they go to wiley they're still the best players and they're more likely to win i don't know if it's a warm-up thing but this is not a real stat yeah, it's almost like the uh, all of these guys have also played well at the Masters, right? Like, well, that's a lot of that has to do with the fact that the best players play well at the Masters. Or Tiger Woods has won at both Bay Hill and Muirfield Village. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like yes. well, he wins everywhere, <laughs> right? Or um, oh my god, I, there's there are so many. St- I have one that too. Yeah, that don't make any sense. Um, can I give you, I'll I'll give you one that, that bothers me par four scoring 350 to 400 yards or, you know, par four scoring 400 to 450. I'm telling you right now, Rick, if you went to the PGA tour players and took a poll on a driving range and said, Hey guys, what are you working on? Like what, what are your strengths and weaknesses in their game? I'm telling you right now, there's not one PGA tour player that would be like, you know what I really need to work on my par four scoring from 300 to 350 to 400 yards. And there's, there's so much, there's so many variables, wind slope. Is there a fairway bunker in the middle, you know, conditions, uh, elevation, all these different things. It's not, it's not a stat. What happens when the guys first from in par fours from 350 to 400, but worst from 400 to 450? If the hole's two yards longer, if it's 401 instead of 399, has he forgotten how to play golf? What happens if the uh, hole changes? What if on Thursday and Friday it's 398 yards, but they lengthen it out on the weekend? There are so many issues with this. It's not a real thing. Also, I don't think this is a real thing, but do, I, obviously I would prefer guys that maybe warmed up a little bit, but – Patrick Cantlay played played pretty darn well without competitive uh, experience last week. John Rahm, same thing because they're good at golf. Yeah, yeah, and I mean we see the Cam Smith did it two years ago too, where he didn't he didn't play that week either. I mean it's just there there are a million things, Rick. Like we could do a whole separate episode on this. Like strokes gain approach matters this week. Okay. <laughs> there are just a, there are a lot of there are a lot of different things that I think you oh. need to g- give me one. <laughs> this is the last one. I promise I'll stop. I could do this for nine hours, but it, everyone only ever looks at the winners. It, it's all you ever hear about, right? Oh, well, yeah. the winner here has done X, Y, and Z. Okay, what about golfers two through ten? They did pretty well too, right? They might be completely different. I swear to God, two times a day, someone sends me a stat. That's why this riles me up so much because it's just like, it eats away at me. 
Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I think that I, I it makes sense, right? Like, I, like on the surface, it makes sense. Like, you get a warm up in whatever at an easy course, but I think that people struggle when they live and die by this stuff, when they make decisions for their DFS lineups or their betting cards based on stats like that. If you want to use it to, if you want to pull an interesting trend or an interesting data point to support your case, I have no problem with it. I am pro people doing research. I am pro interesting and fun tidbits that are not predictive. That is all well and fine with me. I like hearing about that stuff. I'm not going to complain if Justin Ray tweets that, but in terms of making legitimate decisions, I would yeah. I would encourage people to not live and die by that stuff. Clark says, I'm going to make it my life's work to send Rick dumb stats every day and piss him off. That will work. And I will pro- <laughs> I, I don't block anybody. I think I block people who send me this stuff. Like that's the only thing that will get you blocked. Top of the board, Andy. Cam Smith. The favorite to complete the Hawaiian sweep, he's 10 to 1. Webb Simpson and Sung Jm at 16. Hideki Matsuyama, 18 to 1. And then you get into like Mark Leishman and Corey Connors in the low to mid 20s. Is there a pretty significant drop off at some point on this board? Yeah, it feels like that top tier of Smith and Webb and, and Sung Jay and Hideki. Um, Is that where you draw the line, Decky? You're, you're not including Leishman in the, in the top tier. I wouldn't, although the odds would would disagree with me, right? Isn't he kind I would of in agree that with, tier on most? I on would board? agree with you. Yeah, I mean, he basically is. Yeah, he's th- those are the five under twenty five to one. If you want to cut it there, but I would not include Leishman in that top tier. Are you? Um, I mean, DFS is a different question, but in terms of betting, are you? Do you have a ton of interest in going there at the top of the board, or are you kind of kind of foregoing that? I like the 30 to 60 range. Yeah, me too. It's a range that disproportionately gives off winners uh, on the PGA Tour. And when you get to a full field like this where I think it is uh, top heavy, but it's only a few guys, that's a lot easier to fade than like eight studs at the top or something like that. So I, if you made me make a bet at the top, Webb or Sungjae, I've got no problem with. I mean, Cam Smith's going to be phenomenal. I know that's all of them. I'm not as excited about Hideki. I'm not excited as about, about Leishman. But when you give me access to answer at 35 to one, and depending on where you're looking, Corey Connors was 33 to one. I mean, that his mm-hmm. his numbers all over the place. It's book dependent, and you can give me McNeely in the 40s or 50s. I'd rather just load up there um, and see what happens. Yeah, me too. I kind of. I was super interested in that mid tier with Connors and Russell Henley and even going up to like Seamus power. I think the 30 to 60 is really strong. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't have a huge issue for going that. I think this is, I mean, all courses, this is another thing, Rick, but all courses where it's a little bit uh, more dependent on putting um, it is, kind of sometimes more difficult for me to justify paying such a high price for one of the favorites. Yeah. Okay. I could, I could understand that. How about some, so I mentioned I was a little bit worried about Hideki that comes down to basically he's made eight trips here. I don't think he has a top 15. It's the place he's played the most without ever cashing a top 10. I always worry about the putter when you're probably going to have to putt very well. Is there anyone that you have concerns about this week that you're either not trying to back with your hard-earned dollars or not trying to get into your fantasy lineups? 
Um, I mean, I, I, I think I will probably be on, I think I'll probably be a little underweight on web. I, I, I'm actually kind of, I think web's going to have a really good year. Um, I, I think that yeah. I'm, I'm still bullish on him long-term and this is certainly one of those courses, but I would just like to see a little bit more of him. Now I will say this, he hit the ball unbelievably well at the RSM classic. Did you see his numbers from the RSM classic? Like I, nine strokes on approach or something. It was his best measured approach, uh, tournament, I believe, uh, of his career. I could be wrong on that, but Webster that, but it sounds right. Web Simpson has been playing for a really long time. I think that he had his best approach tournament of his career at RSM Classic. Could be right. That's what you want to see, right? You want to you want to get a guy back to his true DNA. Okay. Web, we we agree Webb had like a bad year last year, right? We mm-hmm. we would agree with okay. Yeah, I'd say so. He was he was 12th on tour in strokes gained total. Yeah. You could argue he was the 12th best player on tour, and we were like, what a terrible year from Webb Simpson. He's that good. And you're right. 9.8 strokes gained on approach at the 2021 RSM classic, the best tournament of his career. Second best, the 9.1 that he gained at the 2011 Zurich classic. Yeah. He's been around for a while and he is coming off his best approach week, which is exciting. Yeah. And I mean, here's this kind of dovetails into a question. I'm just looking at the chat too. do your make your DFS decisions on the betting market. No, I think it's very important to know that this you are playing a very different game between DFS and betting. For me, I use strokes gain data far more to formulate my betting card. And yeah. with DFS, I try and adapt more of a game theory ownership mindset. Yeah, game theory ownership, and it's a fantasy point game. So fantasy points gained or something like that, where like Cam, Cam Davis is so much more valuable in your fantasy lineup than he is in most other formats because he's liable to make a bunch of birdies and an eagle and offset that with a couple of bogeys. And it's not going to look as good on the leaderboard, but it's going to look great in your fantasy lineups. And he's probably going to be in your optimal, which he was in the optimal last week. What do yeah. you think? Could you, what do you think the optimal was last week? I'll pull it up. Matt Jones was in there. I'll tell you that much. Matt Jones was definitely in it. Uh, I think you had, you had to have both Rom and Smith. Um, Yep. Correct. Rom Smith Jones. Those are the top three. Well, you gave one away with Davis Davis. That's four was in there. Yeah. I'm going to try and do this. Not by looking at the leaderboard. Okay. um, And just see if I can remember who else. Sung Jay, maybe not Sung Jay. I accidentally okay. flashed it up on the screen. I hope you didn't see it. <laughs> I did. I didn't see it. I okay, didn't see it. It was on there for like um, a millisecond. <laughs> um, who? Uh, I mean, would you have? You'd probably have enough money to. What did Justin Thomas finish? Did he finish like sixth? Yeah, and he was a huge draft score, but he was yeah. too he, too expensive. Didn't fit into the line. The optimal was forty nine thousand six hundred. He would have pushed you over the top. Okay. I you got four you can tell you can tell me I'm not Smith Rom Jones Cam Davis and then it was Cantlay. Patrick Cantlay 139 and a half fantasy points 9700 Daniel Berger 8400 133 and a half so 920 DraftKings points on the optimal 49600 hell of a lineup unbelievable not that, lineup not that not that like not that crazy 
Yeah, I mean, M- Matt, Matt Jones, Jones was, yeah, what do you think? Matt Jones is like 4% in large contests, 2% in large contests. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Huh. All right. We're going to play bet it or forget it. That's a game that we like to play. I've got some storylines. I've got a couple of other things. We have to do our one and done, but I need 30 seconds, so we're going to take a quick break. Caesar Sportsbook has a new awesome offer for those who haven't signed up yet. They will match your first bet, win or lose, up to $1,001. That means no risk on your first wager up to a grand. If that doesn't move the needle, they are also giving out a free, authentic NBA jersey of your choice if you wager $100 on an NBA game by January 19th. And yes, both offers can be combined. This offer from Caesars and more offers from BetMGM and BetRivers are available at rickrungood.com bets. Find your state and find your offer. More states being added often. Good luck. That's Caesars offer, obviously now in New York as well, which is exciting. Andy, a lot of new books are coming online. This is just like a sprint to get everybody's money. And then what happens when, you know, like we still have California to drop. We've got Texas to drop, but New York is now, New York's in. That's exciting stuff. I got so many texts yesterday saying, this changed my life. Like this is, <laughs> I have no idea what to do. I am so happy for my friends in New York. I'm from New York. I spend a fair amount of time in New York, but I'm mainly based in Los Angeles. I think it's fantastic. I am just waiting for California for the other shoe to drop with California, but good things, Rick. Good things. Indeed. Let's play bet it or forget it. This is exactly what it sounds like. I offer Andy a bet. And he says he will either bet it or he will forget it, which means he doesn't He doesn't want it. That's literally how it works. It's very, very simple. If you couldn't figure that out from the name, uh, we got problems. Here we go. Let's start with the darling of the weekend. His name is Corey Connors. He's catching steam literally everywhere. Our friends over at Caesar Sportsbook currently hanging 25 to 1 on his outright number. Bet it or forget it. 29 or 25? 25. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll bet that Rick, I, I walked in Connors is how I'm starting, starting my card this week. I've, I got him at 29 to one and I still endorse him at 25 to one. I think this is a fantastic spot for Connors. And I believe it was you who had this stat on Twitter. Connors is not a great putter, but there's something about these greens at YLI that he seems to have figured out. And when you look at his best putting performances, it tends to be on Bermuda, a uh, great history at kind of these shorter positional golf courses, whether it be the heritage or colonial. So I love Corey Connors this week. I think he makes a ton of sense. And I think you do far worse than 25 to one on him. Yeah, here it is. Corey Connors, one of the best ball strikers on the PGA tour. There's really only five courses that he's played at least three times that he has gained strokes, um, gained strokes putting like in total. And Wiley is by far and away his best. Now, I don't know if that's noisy stuff, right? He's getting 13 strokes in three trips. His next best course was TPC San Antonio, gained four. So you're talking about three times uh, his second best course. I don't know if that's noisy, if it's random, or if there is truly something he figures out a little bit here. Because he's also never lost, Andy. Three trips, he's never lost. He's gained like over five twice. It's it's quite jarring when you look at it. Yeah, it's about... 12 rounds of data because I believe he's played here three times. So we're kind of right on the edge of 
this is something, this is nothing, right? With 12 rounds of data. So, you know, it's one of those things that you could probably use to strengthen your case if you happen to like Corey Connors. I don't think it's the only reason why you would like Corey Connors this week. I think there are a lot of solid reasons. But yeah, I, I think Corey Connors is a a very sound play this week. I think he's going to have a very uh, a very good week. All right, Corey Connors, 25 to 1. Andy says, bet it. Charles Howell the third to finish inside the top 20. For this, you get plus 220, Andy. Would you like to bet it or forget it? Okay, I'm glad you brought this up, and I had no idea that you were going to bring this up because I talked Correct. about this a little bit on my show yesterday. So Charles Howell, I, I know this off the top of my head because it's so crazy to me. Charles Howell has played the Sony Open 19 times. I believe, and he has finished in the top 30 at the Sony Open, I believe, 15 times, right? So he is almost over a massive sample size. He's finishing in the top 30 almost 80% of the time that he plays this tournament. He's finished in the top 10 almost 50% of the time that he's played this tournament. So just based on the numbers, like there is a very good chance that Charles Howell is going to play well here. Now, something still smells kind of fishy with the whole thing, right? Like Charles Howell seems like at a macro level, his career is in a bit of a decline, right? So I'm not sure he's the same player that he was. I would hope so. He's been on the tour for a million years. I mean, it would be okay if he declined at some point. He's literally been, he has played this event. I don't think it's every year. Hold on. No, it is. It's every year since 2002. Like you would Mm -hmm. expect some decline at this point. Yeah. So I'll I'll buck the trend here. I, I I just I something something smells off it. He's priced up too, Rick. Like he's yes, that's on the problem. Like it's it's baked into his price for for the golfer that Charles Howell is today. I'm not sure if I can get behind that. It's the once a year that you have to pay for Charles Howell the third. And I get the history's great, but I I don't know. I, I I could just I would be thrilled to just forget it, not worry about Charles Howe the third, not have to sweat Charles Howe the third. It's not for me. Not yeah, for me, Andy. I, I'm with you. I'm forgetting it too. Here's a matchup for you. Cam Smith minus 140 over Weber. Webb Simpson plus 115. So Smith over Simpson. Bet it or forget it. Hmm. I'll probably take Webb there, actually. I, I think that. Ooh. Yeah, I think that Smith, like you're paying a little bit of an inflated price with him right now, coming off a win um, at a course that he's won at before. Now, could Cam Smith go back to back? Absolutely. I think a lot of people are like, no, there's no way he could win two times in a row. He absolutely could win two weeks in a row. But I still would probably take the plus money on Webb. I love both of these guys. The lack of talking about Cam Smith potentially winning again this week is pretty crazy, right? He's, he is statistically by far the best player in this field. It's, it's not really close. If you look at the weighted numbers, it's, it's an even bigger gap. He's won here before. He just made about a million birdies last week and outdueled John Rom. So the game's clearly in, in good form. I, I don't know. I don't, I, I would not touch this. I would not put real money on this, on this matchup because I really like Webb for this year. And this is obviously a great spot for him, but Cam Smith could absolutely go back to back and I would be 0% shocked. Yeah, me neither. I think probably the reason why I'd wait, uh, why I'd go with Webb here has nothing to do with really um, 
uh, it's not a knock on Cam Smith. I I just think with with matchups, there's so much variance in golf now. A full tournament, a little bit less than a round to round matchups, but laying minus one forty in a golf matchup is a little bit of a tough pill to swallow. So I'll take the underdog in that one. Okay, real quick, uh, David in the chat says, Andy, that's the biggest water jug of all time. I didn't see it. Let me see. So, it. Let me see first of all, first of all, shout out David. David's my guy. He's been listening to my podcast since day one. And a lot of discussion this week, a lot of discussion this week on my um, beverage choices. So, Rick, yeah. I drink I drink one of these every day and it changed my life. Okay. I'm not so even being that, hyperbolic. That looks like a gallon, right? That's yep. a gallon. Okay. I've yeah. got the half gal. So, I do I do two of these, but I thought this was big. Yours, yours puts mine to shame. And you want to know the funniest part is they give you like yeah. words of motivation. All the incentive. Yeah. Okay. So we're same buying stuff. from the same company. So yeah, yeah. they give you something on they give you, Yeah, they give you. Uh, but I'm, I'm team water. I'm like huge. I I think that people do not drink enough water. Um, drinking a gallon of water a day uh, is a game changer for me. Fresher, I'm, more hydrated. I love it. I'm two hours behind at least. Let's let's have a let's have a sip together, Andy. This will be a great. <laughs> we'll, we'll hydrate together on the show. Here we go. Good stuff. All right. One more. Bet it or forget it. It's a three ball. Sung JM plus 165 over Mark Leishman. Same price, plus 165. And Corey Connors, who's plus 180. So Connors is the longest in this matchup, which I guess makes sense when you look at their betting odds. But the option for you is Sung Jay over Leishman and Connors. Bet it. Or forget it. I probably go Connors. I think. Yeah, I'd probably go Connors plus one eighty. I think you what's have a, to right. What's like, a I, you, I, yeah. I like Sung Jay a lot this week. He can make a lot of birdies. Was awesome last week. Um, you know, has had really good stretches of, of of putting on Bermuda. Has had really bad stretches of putting on Bermuda, but looked good last week. <sighs> The, the dangerous thing about Connors is he is literally an uh, not like we throw around the word elite too much, but he is elite, elite ball striker, right? When you look at last 100 rounds, it's John Rahm, it's I think Colin Morikawa, and then it's Corey Connor. Like it's it's that good. And if he can putt at all, he doesn't need to gain five strokes with the flat stick like he has here in the past. Gain like one and. That's a really good math problem for Corey Connors. Yeah. Sungjae, I, I, we didn't talk a ton about, I, I like Sungjae this week. Sungjae is a problem for sure. But I would say when you factor in the price and you're getting Connors at plus 180 in that three ball, I'm with Connors in that position. So this would be a really good tournament. So there used to be a lot of, I don't, I don't see this as much anymore, but a lot of offshore books used to do, and they probably still do. But now that I'm in a regulated state, I don't look anymore, but they used to do like big five or big seven. And you would, you would get like the top five favorites in the field or the field, right? Yeah. Basically at like minus one yeah. or something. So like you could actually do like, I, like, I think there's a pretty good top five or six here. So would you take the tops, the big six, which I'll say is Smith, Simpson, Sung Jay, Hideki, Leishman, Connors, or the field field. You got to go field. Always take the field in those bets. 
always take the field in those bets. They do that all the time too. I've seen that all the time. Like you can even do like, sometimes they'll do betting without like John Rahm and Justin Thomas. Have you seen those markets where it's like, everyone has a little bit of different odds. Always take the field in those. I'm going field. Mm. Yeah. See the, the, the big, the big five, six, seven, whatever. It always looks so good because you get all the big names, but I think, I think, I think the field is correct as well. Yeah. I think maybe if we're talking about the U S open, like maybe, maybe if we're talking about the U S open, um, that is typically won by more elites, I would think about that a little bit harder. But like I said, and of course where it's so much dependent on who can catch a hot putter, give me the field. Okay. I have to chug some water here and we're going to get to some storylines, maybe some wind luck, and we've got to give our one and done selections, but I need 30 seconds for, uh, to catch up on my water intake. All of the tools and data that you see me use on this channel is from my site, rickrungood.com. Rickrungood.com is one of the largest golf databases on the planet, and it's geared towards making your DFS and betting research process as efficient as possible. There are literally millions of data points in the database, and while that might sound intimidating, the tools that I've built allow you to cut through the data quickly, choose what's important to use, and even build lineups that are ready for import directly into DraftKings. Outside of that, membership gets you access to the Slack channel, currently 2,000 run-gooders who are ready to share insights and have a little fun. I love it, and you will too. Sign up at rickrungood.com. Kevin Na looking to go back-to-back. Andy, last golfer to successfully defend at the Sony was, do you know? Oh, I thought you were going to say last golfer to defend on the PGA Tour. I would have said Hovland. but would have been correct. But I do not. I do not know about the Sony. Jimmy Walker won it hmm. in fourteen and fifteen, seventeen under par in twenty fourteen. He won in twenty fifteen by nine shots. Can, do you can you imagine Jimmy Walker running away from a field to the tune yeah. of nine shots? Jimmy Jimmy had a little run there. He won. I'm pretty sure he won the PGA Championship that year or a year after at at Baltus Roll. Um, yeah, Jimmy Walker, really good player. Just, you know, falling off the map a little bit, but yeah, that's a lot. Even at this tournament, I think that's JT did it too. JT did JT won by like seven or eight here too. I think seven. JT won by seven. Paul Azinger won in 2000 by seven. That's it. Those, those are the biggest ones. That's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Get that far out in front. It it is weird. The types of, uh, of winners you can get here, right? Kevin Na being live, Cam Smith, Matt Kuchar, Patton Kazire, right? It's just, it's a different kind of beast. And I, I like this where, you know, it's, it's hard enough to be a PGA tour professional and win. We'll talk about that in just a second, but if you're not a long hitter, it's even more difficult. So like, I, I like that this levels the playing field a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I think these events, these boards, in my opinion, these are like the most fun weeks to play DFS. I think these are some of the most fun tournaments to predict. Um, so yeah, I am super excited for wildlife country club, you know, ask John Rahm about wind luck, because this guy, we kind of glossed over this, uh, a bit in the, in the tournament of champions recap, but if things fall slightly different for John Rahm in the last year and two weeks, he's got like five wins instead of one, right? Like it is, 
it is he is the perfect current example of win luck now that Tony Finau has cashed in a win recently. Yeah, and it's tricky, right? Because over over a large sample size, you expect stuff like that to sort of even out, but there's no way that you could look at John Rahm's numbers from last year and say, oh, he should have won more based on what his baseline is. The issue is uh, winning golf tournaments isn't about your baseline. It's about catching fire on the right specific week and matching up your best putting weeks with your best ball striking weeks. And Rom has a tendency to be, his floor is really, really high. And he's had a couple ceiling weeks. Like, I think it's pretty safe to say that what happened last week was close to a ceiling week, but he just also happens to catch a lot of other players on their ceiling weeks. Yeah, that's, ex- that's exactly right. And I'll, and I'll say the same thing that I did when Tony Finau was going through his run of not winning. It's like, we only talk about this when guys get close it's a gift and a curse that you're always in contention, right? If you just finish T22 every single week, we never talk about your win luck or lack thereof. So the fact that you're that close, we have to talk about it. So this is all in all a very good thing. And it's again, weekly examples that he's probably by far and away the best player in the world. And this will, this will fix itself. Do you think that, okay, I'm going to do, we did this for our first show ever, but amended season win totals. What do you think it is for Rom? 1.5 for the rest of the year. Man, I don't know. I that's so many. It's so many, but he'd be the only guy that you he'd be the only guy. Right? Yeah. Now, maybe he, could, maybe he, he should like already be at 1 it feels like, but um yeah, I, I mean, I if you wanted to hang 1.5, like he'd be the only guy I'd do it on. I think it's a lot just with how stuff shakes out and how deep the tour is, but, but my God, is he just going to finish? He's, he's going to, he's going to be in contention. Okay. If he's in contention 10 times, which I don't think is that unrealistic, no, does he win two of them? I don't know. Seems like it seems like yeah. he should. Yeah. I think 1.5 is fair. I think 1.5 is really fair. Um, he's been, and he's been good, like converting leads too. like when he's in the mix, he's been, he plays pretty good relatively was, speaking yeah he was awesome on sunday right he was also on saturday right he so he went out and shot 61 66 33 under didn't win the tournament he was phenomenal i know i know camp smith baby damn shame okay let's do our one and done you are currently in the lead we've never done this before you're you're leading do you want to go first or do you want to go second we should probably set the parameters for uh, the rest of the season. I think the person in the lead should go first. Does that sound cool to you? Take it yeah. away. Absolutely. I think Seamus Power wins this week. I think oh this God. is the... If Seamus Power wins, I will be so thrilled. So doesn't this feel a little bit to you like what happened with Gooch, where the numbers <laughs> were aligning for a very long time with what Gooch was doing. And then on a week where maybe people don't talk about him as much because the course fit isn't as perfect. He hasn't been great at the Sony open. Um, That's when Gooch wins, right? Like I bet Gooch every week and then got off him the week that he won the RSM classic. I think this is when Seamus power wins. I, I, he's my one and done. And can we agree? First of all, awesome. Can we agree that 
Uh, hold on one second. Let's let's see here. I'm gonna try to pull this up for you. Can we agree that Seamus Power is not the golfer that has missed the cut or whatever, struggled at the Sony Open? Oh yeah, not even close. Right. So so last four trips, two missed cuts, 54th, 49th. He lost strokes on approach and off the tee. In basically all of those, he's not that player anymore. He's a great ball striker. And yeah. he is, in fact, one of the better ball strikers in the last six or eight months on the PGA Tour. So it's kind of a sneaky little go out and get Seamus Power. I kind of dig it. Yeah, I'm, I am all in on him this week. I, I bet him. At, I thought I got him at like 46 to one, which I thought was a very fair number on him. Um, I think it's time for Seamus Power. So lock it in. Seamus Power is my one and done. Wow. Okay. I went like in the complete opposite direction. I just went with Cam Smith and said, wow. like, okay. he, he's the hottest player on the planet. He's won here before. So we know he's going to a great little setup. He's the favorite. And I don't know if I like, where do I, where am I dying to use Cam Smith outside of literally here? Which, which I would have said, I would have said the best spot for him was here two weeks ago, three weeks ago, not just because he won, right? Like this feels like the best spot for him. Yeah. And you could also probably make an argument that I'm getting a little too outside the box with, like, I always feel like a lot of people make the mistake and one and done of trying to save their players. And then by the end of the year, they have way more than they think yeah. because players, as we know, they always emerge Rick. Yep. Um, so I like your strategy of taking the favorite. Um, I'm, Feeling myself coming off the Leishman win, I'm going to stick with power and, and we'll see what happens. I love it. Yeah. I generally go foot on gas from the start and figure and worry it out about later. it later. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm on fumes and I'm trying to get to the finish line, but that's much better than, and again, I get, I, people send me a lot of messages. So I see it will be like, there'll be like two weeks left in the year and someone will send me a DM that's like, Hey Rick, I've got uh Rom, Bryson, Xander, Morikawa, and Rory left. How should I deploy them in the last two weeks? And I'm basically like, you screwed this up. You should not yeah. have that many, you should not have those guys left. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd There's rather that... I'd rather run on fumes than than do that. Yeah, certainly. All right, Andy. Anything else before we uh before we get out of here? No, um, have a fantastic time with Sia on Friday. Um, fantastic choice for oh, that's a right. for me. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I am super excited to catch the replay to, uh, to that. I'll probably listen to it on my uh, drive home from my, from my golf trip. And, and I'll see you on Tuesday, my friend. Yes, Andy. Andy uh, off on Friday. Sia Najad is going to fill in for him, wishing you not only safe travels, but good golf, right? That's, 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 really, that's really what you'd like. Yeah. Good golf. I mean, it's, we're, yeah, there'll definitely be some friendly wagering, uh, on the line. So I hope to, uh, come back with some, uh, some, a little more spending money for the Amex. Follow Andy on Twitter at ADP lack sports. You can follow me at Rick run. Good. We'll be back on Friday with another scramble, but until then, good luck. See ya.